Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to get to it in just a few moments. Um, I started a Doctor of Ministry program just a couple weeks ago in Washington, D.C., and one of the things that we did on that program was, was deal with this text and think through this text. And so I have wanted to preach it, and so I'm going to do that. Paul is the writer, we believe, of 2 Corinthians. Um, Paul tends to be a doctrine guy. And so when we think about Paul in the Bible, we think about specific truths and doctrines. Paul doesn't tend to tell a lot of stories the way Jesus did. Jesus taught a lot through story. But we miss Paul if we think he's just teaching doctrines and truths like a lecturer. Paul uses metaphor masterfully. He uses metaphor all the time to try to portray what he's trying to think. And so we're going to try to look at this text. Before we do, I want to take a little bit of a poll. Is everybody ready for this? When we think of the Apostle Paul, I, I'm interested in what you think Paul looked like. So, so get in the picture of your head. Picture in your head. What do you think of Paul looking like from what you know of the Apostle Paul? And we're going we're gonna to kind of, we'll, we'll do it by popular vote here. Who thinks Paul was short? Was Paul short? Who thinks Paul was tall? Paul was tall? We got more tall, so we're going to say that we think Paul was tall. Bald or has hair? Do you think Paul was bald? Who thinks Paul was bald? Bald? Thanks, Jamie, being bold there. Who thinks Paul had hair? Okay, Paul had hair. Um, clean shaven or he had a big old beard? Clean shaven or big beard? Who thinks Paul, who was tall and had hair, had a clean shaven face? Clean shaven face for Paul? Okay, beard. Who thinks of Paul with a beard? Okay. We, Paul has a beard then. Is it a big beard or a little beard? What do you think? Little beard. Little beard? Big beard. Who thinks Paul had a big beard? Uh, we're going to call that little beard. We got a little, few more votes for little beard. Uh, you think Paul is well built? He's a big guy? Or you think of him as a small guy? Who thinks of Paul as a big guy? Muscular, maybe? Big guy? What about small? You think Paul's a small guy? We think Paul's small in this group, okay? Do you think of Paul as being very somber or very kind of jovial and fun? Who thinks of Paul being jovial and fun? All right, who thinks of Paul being very somber? Yeah, some of you have read his stuff. We tend to think of him that way. You think of Paul being really well-kept or sort of rough, rough around the edges when, in his appearance, in his attire? What do you think? Well-kept? Paul well-kept? Rough around the edges? You know, we're going to go with rough around the edges. Looks like rough around the edges. One. We're going to look at this text. And, and the text doesn't actually talk about what Paul looks like, but I wonder if we might be able to suggest some things about how Paul looked because of this text. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm starting in verse 16. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. Since, my boast, since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if 
someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face, to my shame I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. I hope you can sense this sarcasm so far, right? They're calling him a fool. And the, the word fool is not a good translation there. It's really crazy. You think I'm crazy? You think I'm nuts? Well, you put up with all kinds of nuts, people, that boast in all kinds of things. So I'm going to boast now. He's playing with them. He's making fun of them a little bit. And he goes on. Five times I was... I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in dangers from river, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to deceive me. But I was let down in a basket through the window in the wall and escaped his hands. Quite a list for Paul. Paul says, I'll show you how crazy I am. You think I'm crazy? Look at what I have done for Christ. Look at what has happened to me because I chose to follow Jesus. There's this Christian cliche that says the safest place to be is at the center of God's will. But whoever wrote that saying didn't read their Bible. The characters in this Bible all the time are going through terrible things. Nobody in the Bible ends up in a really good place. It always works out rough for them. The the perfect person in the Bible ends up on the cross. Think about that. It's a difficult life to follow Jesus. Would you risk your life for the sake of the gospel? Paul saying, look at me. You think I'm crazy. I'm definitely crazy. And he gives this life story But underneath of it all, I think, is a metaphor. He's showing people his scars. Forty lashes was the punishment for blasphemy among the Jews. So if he's proclaiming Christ as Lord, he is taking that punishment. Five times he received the forty lashes, less one. You need to understand that this is not a cat of nine tails like was used on Jesus. No, when we say lashes, it was one whip. And the whip was made with a curve in it. 
And the purpose of the curve was to be able to take blood and flesh and suction it off of the body. So when it would whip around onto Paul's back, he would probably have been chained or something. It wouldn't just hit his back, it would get his arms, it would get his butt, even his legs too. And it would lay into the flesh and then start peeling off. Many, many people died from the lashes, even minus one. It would tear away flesh and leave scars. Paul's back would have been just covered. Like if you've ever seen the movie Rambo. I mean, he just scars all down his back. Five times he went through that. His back would have looked like it had been hit by a meat grinder. Five times brought to the brink of death. They, they thought that 40 lashes would almost certainly kill you. So when they punished you, they gave you 39. Paul's saying, you think I'm crazy? Look at this. And he lifts up his shirt and says, look at these scars. Beaten with rods. Romans beat with rods for treason. They're not supposed to do that to Roman citizens. This is an interesting point to make. Paul is a Roman citizen. In fact, in Acts, there's a situation where they're going to try to get Paul in trouble. And then he informs them that he's a Roman citizen. And they real quick let him go because they don't want to get him in trouble. So if he was beaten with rods by the Romans, that means either he didn't tell them he was a Roman and took the beating anyway, not just once but three times. But, or else he was in so much trouble and they disliked him so much, they just ignored the rule and beat him with rods anyway. Rods would have been clubs and they would have broken bones. And they wouldn't just have beaten his back, they would have beaten him beaten him wherever. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there's not orthopedic surgeons in Paul's day. So when he breaks a rib, there's no one really around to reset that rib. If he breaks a shoulder blade, an arm in the process, he breaks a hip, there's no surgery to correct that. If he has a big mound on the side of his head, the scars of that wound are going to remain there. It wasn't just like a cane. It was more like a four by four. Often people never walked again when they were beaten with rods because their back broke. Or people would die from internal damages. How many times was Paul beaten with rods? Three times he said he was beaten with rods. With, with rods. It would have hit his shoulders, would have hit his arms. Once Paul was stoned, this is Jewish execution when they would take it into their hand. Now when we think of stoning, oftentimes we have this perception of like the person sort of standing in the middle and everybody surrounds them and throws stone at them. That's ridiculous. What's the problem with that? You're going to be dodging stones from the other side of the circle. Everybody's stoning everybody else in the process. It didn't work like that. Or we think of it like a firing squad, putting someone up against a wall and throwing stones at them. But, but that doesn't work either. Because there's a thing called ricochet. All the stones are going to be bouncing back at the crowd. They did not do that. Stoning happened one of two ways. One is that a person would be taken to a height and they would either be thrown or they would throw themselves down onto stones. When Satan tempts Jesus to throw himself down on the stones... That's the temptation. The temptation is to be executed now instead of later. 
Or the other way they would do it is they would have a ditch. They would have some kind of lower thing so that everybody could throw or even, low, or even roll stones down onto the person. So it wasn't just small stones. They could take big stones and a couple of people roll them down on top of the person. And so imagine Paul in this pit. Hands up first, right? You would protect yourself until finally your fingers are breaking Your arms are sore as you cover. You start covering with your arms eventually in the fetal position and you're laying on the ground. Paul was a tent maker, remember? Which means he worked with leather. Once he was stoned, he probably never could work again. His fingers would have been so malformed, his arms all broken. No wonder that he has to have someone else write his letters. His body is deformed. Luke describes this stoning in Acts chapter 14. The Jews came from Antioch, verse 19 here, and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. They would drag the bodies. Once the body was stoned, they would drag it, often drag it around the town, just to make sure everybody saw what happened when you fall out of line. Paul would have had broken fingers, broken arms, scars now everywhere, skin ripped from him as he was dragged behind a horse in all likelihood. They thought he was dead. He's so beat up. What about all these other things? Shipwrecked, danger from all sides. Paul has emotional scars too, doesn't he? He's been afraid almost everywhere he's gone, everywhere in trouble. Paul has been through it. What did Paul look like? Quasimodo. Paul had been through it. He'd been beaten. He'd been bruised. He'd been broken. And so the metaphor Paul says, you want to know how crazy I am? And he takes off his tunic in his writing. And he says, look at these scars. Look at what I have done because I am so crazy for Christ. And even... Even beyond the scars you can see are the emotional scars of being shipwrecked, thinking I was dead, being robbed, being abused by my countrymen, by the Gentiles who I'm there to help. You want to know how crazy I am for Jesus? Look at my scars. Are you crazy about Jesus? Show me your scars. Tell me your scar stories. Perhaps you've never really been physically harmed for your faith. We live in a country where that doesn't happen, at least not yet. But around the world, there are all kinds of Christians who, when they go to do what you do right now, they risk being physically harmed. They risk being arrested for meeting in a church like this. But what has it cost you to follow Jesus? Have you given up a job, taken less money, given things away? Faced ridicule and people calling you foolish? Have people slandered your name, lied about you? Have you lost friends? See, the the danger of living in a a place where we live, where it's okay to just go to church, it's it's perfectly allowed and it's perfectly legal, is we just don't buy in the same way. There's a tendency for us to want to have things together, to make our faith about looking good, picturing Paul as strong and put together. 
And the problem with that is, if we get too much like that, then we expect people to get their acts together before they come into this place. And suddenly the church isn't a place for broken people. It's a place for fixed people. Which is not what it was meant to be. It should not be that way. Because the whole reason we're here is because Jesus got scars for us. Holes in His hands. Holes in His feet. A spot in His side. Did you ever wonder why Jesus, when He's resurrected and has a perfect body, still has scars? When I, when I get a perfect body, I, I, want, I don't want scars. And I don't want my tummy either. And there's a couple of things I would like to put in my request that I don't want in my perfect body. Jesus has His scars still in His perfect body. Because those scars are reminders. And there are some things worth remembering. Those scars for Jesus are a sign of His love and the great lengths that He goes to show His love to you and to me. We have a faith based on scars. And we should expect that we might get some scars of our own as we follow Jesus. We think of this place as a sanctuary. A place where we can come for safety. But really, I think a sanctuary should be a place where we can take risks, not avoid them. It's time for you and I to get a little crazy around here. To try things that might not be possible. To look a little more foolish. To fail a little bit more. Show me your scars. What has it cost you to follow Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, help us to live the kind of faith where we look crazy. Let us make enough of a difference in our world that we can be forever scarred because of it. And let our scars not be items of boasting for ourselves, but let you be glorified in our weakness. In Christ's name, amen.